Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds Warren. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. And of course, read us over at Indie Cornrows. Uh, I am joined today by my co-host and editor, Tom Lewis. And of course, uh, but I don't know why I said of course. I just, I'm so used to saying of course. By Rhett Bauer from over 8.9 seconds, friend of the pod, friend of mine. How are you guys doing today? Tom, I'll go with you first. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. I uh, think we can finally put a bow on the uh, past season here after Kevin Pritchard's press conference today. So on, on to the offseason officially. Yeah, it sounds sounds good. Uh, Rhett, how about you, man? How, how's, how's everything out in Utah today? I mean, not Utah, Jesus, Colorado. I, can't I was going to say, it's probably not great in wow. Utah, down 01 in the series, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's doing, we're going going good over here in Colorado. It gets hot, and I just, uh, I lose all thinking capacity. So, yes, you guys hinted at it already. Uh, Kevin Pritchard's season-ending press conference was today. Um I, I don't really have any different thoughts. I have a lot of things that I want to hit on, but um, would you guys echo the same? I mean, we didn't really learn anything today. It felt like a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of a lot of uh, what I was expecting to get from this. Yeah, I'd say um, it was, uh, you know, classic KP. I mean, he could he can talk and, and get through a press conference pretty well without saying anything declarative if, if that's his intent. And um, it seemed to be today. I mean, he, obviously, the you know, the first and foremost news would be that he is undecided on bringing back Nick Bjorkman, uh, pending a conversation with him, obviously pending conversation with Herb Simon, obviously pending conversation with potential people who might he might want to take over, and, and pending a lot of things. So um, uh, he basically remains. Uh, as he put it, I think it was, uh, he's not committed one way or the other. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and that was kind of, it, it seemed like the, 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 uh, the same with about every issue that was brought up around the team. Uh, it's like, yeah, I love these guys, I'm, you know, all these different players, but I wouldn't say that uh, he uh, didn't commit to trading anyone and didn't commit to not trading anyone. So, <laughs> Um, we'll see going forward. Yeah, I thought one thing that I did take away was he admitted that he should be evaluated by Herb Simon. I thought that was kind of important uh, to acknowledge, just just to have a little bit of self-awareness when it comes to the job that he's done, which I think he's been great. Obviously had some drafting issues, and I would be surprised if uh, he was part of any of the changes for this summer. But um yeah, it was a lot of words were said. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think uh, I, I I I like what you said, Rhett, because well, we've I mean the three of us have talked and we've said you know Kevin Pritchard's job is most likely safe and should be, um, but it is I mean it's nice to finally get to hear from him. And I don't mean that in like a passive aggressive way. It's just we don't get to hear from him often, so it was nice to hear from him today. And 
um, see him face to face. He was, you know, he mentioned that he's kind of zoomed out. I was like, Oh, Hey, I relate to that. I'm on a zoom call like five or six times a day and I kind of hate it, but um, yeah. So the one thing that I do want to stick out, and again, like you mentioned, there really weren't a whole ton of quotables. Uh, something that I was just a little uh, kind of taken aback by or just not really sure how to take. And I wanted to ask you guys about, um, hold on, let me pull up. I, I have like way too many pages of notes here for something that is recorded and I could go back and watch. Um, you know, he, I, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but point being, he, he mentioned that he, uh, he did not um, – did not realize how important TJ Warren was until they, they lost him and, and how that impacted the defense. And I was a little bit like head scratching with that because I was like, we, we know how important TJ Warren is. We saw how important TJ Warren was in the bubble and all of last season. And we knew coming into the year, we talked about this for six months that he was the only forward size player on the roster. The only guy who could guard big wings. Um, I didn't take it as KP trying to make excuses, but I just, if, if the front office really was surprised by that, I'm, I mean, that's a little bit surprising to me then. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it was like a love letter to TJ Warren here. Um, with, with <laughs> I, I, the we couldn't phrase. go 45 words without him saying <laughs> TJ Warren. Yeah. And um, I, I think um, again, you're right. He, he, even as he was making excuses, he didn't want to, make excuses, but I mean, it is a legitimate issue that they had all these injuries and, um, and then not have a one all year who it sounded like, I felt like, you know, he, he felt like he was kind of a key cog with whoever would be around him. And there really wasn't a way to replace that cog where, whereas maybe they could, you know, throw a big guy in, um, you know, with Gogo or whoever for, for Miles as a bonus. And then they had extra guards to throw in, but really there wasn't a, a cog that fit um, like T.J. Warren. Um, I, I think that may have been what he was getting at, but also I think he was also, again, you know, laying out all of the context of the essentially shit they had to go through this season. And first and foremost was, was T.J. Warren. So, um, but yeah, I, I was, I was, interesting how he kept going back to that you know i was i, I took note of that too it was like whoa okay tj was good i guess he's he, he he's not on the uh, trading block unless he's trying to drum up his value <laughs> yeah i uh it kind of speaks to how this roster's built a little bit it's like oh i didn't realize how important a wing-sized player would be um and i don't i say that more jokingly than anything because it's just hard to get those types of players, but yeah, it was uh, for as much praise as TJ Warren got. It also felt weird for him to say he didn't realize how important he would be. And maybe that's just because he underestimated what Warren would bring defensively uh, relative to the rest of the wings on the roster. But yeah, it just was, uh, it was a little odd to hear that amidst all the, uh, all the Warren praise, like Tom said. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that, that we're, we're in the same boat with that. I was a, uh... It was a little bit of a, I understand where he's coming from, but it was like, okay, all right. But um, I guess I'll just turn it immediately to, I mean, what, what else really stood out to you guys? Was there anything that um, you found notable or that was uh, maybe different to hear or, or what, what stood out from, I mean, we, we talked to them for like, I mean, not talk, I should, I think KP talked for an hour and, and we, we listened and uh, I mean, where, where were you guys at with everything that we heard? 
I think the one point he uh, KP brought up was that there wasn't as much disconnect on the locker room or in the locker room as there was on the court. And I found that really interesting because I would have guessed it was the other way around. It didn't seem like there was that much disconnection on the court as far as a player relationships go. It was more in the X's and O's, which Bjorkren got praised for being really good at that and not being good at the personal stuff. So it just, that stood out to me as odd. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think everything surrounding the the Bjorkman relationship, um, you know, it, it seemed like there were a lot of eye raising, you know, comments. I mean, he, he directly was saying, you know, he had human ma- human management, you know, skills he needed to improve, and and um, and like Brett says, I mean, that to me that would be ninety five percent of that would be in the locker room or off the court, you know, or you know, as you're preparing not necessarily during the game. Um, but he, I, I just felt like though he, I felt at a lot of times like that, where he was just trying to get through this without saying anything specific. And, yeah. you know, he kind of kept talking around things and, and going into long answers without, you know, directly saying anything specific. And, you know, to me, I mean, I feel like, um, not so much that he's being evaluated. I, I feel like he's pretty safe, like we said, even though he, he brought that up. Um, I think he wanted to make sure everybody um, realized, you know, hey, no one's safe here. But, uh, you know, when you're calling the owner Herbie multiple times. Yeah, that was safe. one of my, my instant reactions. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're calling him Herbie. So, yes, clearly you're you're under fire. Um, but, yeah. but I think there's, there's more, you know, um, it, there's obvious, I feel like there's going to be obviously hard discussions, not only with Bjorkman, but with the owner. And, you know, I mean, and I think Tony, Tony East brought it up in a question about the budget. And that's, you know, it's a huge factor. Um, what, what are they willing to do to make these changes or change the head coach or the players and all that? Um, you know, and, and that's the struggle that KP has is, you know, he's, it, it is a level playing field in the NBA. I keep saying it. Um, and he's on the on the the bad side of that, so you know his his hands are tied, unlike other GMs around the around the league with some teams. So he he has to have you know there's a lot more factors he has to deal with, and that takes more time. I think going in the off season and figuring out what they're going to do going forward is not as cut and dried as um, you know we may think it is. Yeah. Um, so I. <laughs> Not not to just like completely change pace, but I one thing that I've really been thinking about in in, in how uh, things were brought up today in regards to Nate. Going back to that a little bit, um, I mean, I I I agree in one hundred percent, Tom, and that it felt a lot like he was. I mean, that's his job to try and skirt around it because he doesn't want to have a committed answer yet, just you know, optics wise, and maybe he doesn't know what he wants to do yet. That's completely fair. Um, but like it just there was a lot of messaging with it that I saying I struggled with would, would be the wrong way to put it. But I got a little bit and we've talked about this both on and off air, Tom. I've been a little bit frustrated with the, uh, um, you know, the fake news uh, throwing around that, that that has come about since the Bleacher Report article dropped and all the subsequent mm-hmm. stuff after that. Um, 
I wouldn't I mean, KP didn't go that far today, but he said that most of the reports were bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I, I'm at a point where I, I, I don't want to hear that, um, to be honest, because it did not feel to me. And you can you can call me out and say that I'm wrong. But in my opinion, he did not do anything to refute that today. Um, I mean, this he, he called a lot of stuff crap without really giving anything to say that it was um like i mean in, in regards to nate like this is a direct quote from him they were on nate with the players there were times they were dialed in and other times they weren't uh i think the emotional intelligence is there for him but he needs some improvement in human management like that stuff is, that's right. what was reported j michael reported exactly. that for for a long time uh stuff came out in bleach report again i i'm not saying that every single thing written is exactly what happened like we don't know about the stuff with tj warren we've talked about this of course tj warren is going to come out and deny it of course the front office is going to say that he didn't request the trade and that's not me trying to shit on either of them that's just being real that's what you do you're not just going to come out and say oh, yeah this is what happened because that's a terrible look for your franchise but point being i just i i really do not like the air of saying everything is false, but then not offering something up. That's actually the truth. Like, I mean, if things were completely crap, you would have come out two or three weeks ago when all of this hit the fan and actually spoken then. And maybe that's yeah. a naive way of looking at it, but that's how I see it. I, so it, I really just don't like, and this is not me trying to be like, Oh, woe is me journalism crap. I'm not a full-time person <laughs> yet, but it's just, like looking at all this stuff that happened, it's not just one report. I was going back and forth on this with somebody on the timeline until I just muted the conversation because they wouldn't listen, but it's not like it got pinned. Even KP brought up that it was pinned on like part of its player egos. And that does play a factor. But then he also goes on to talk about how you have to give a coach flexibility and, uh, and how, you know, like, I mean, spending 10 or 15 minutes talking about how, you know, we have to make accommodations. It's so hard to be a, a rookie head coach. I'm like, yes, it is hard to be a rookie head coach, but the, the, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm going, I, I'm not trying to go too off the rails here, but I think that uh, I, I was a little bit uh, questioning of that today. Yeah, but, you know, he, he also, he did say, I found a lot of it to be BS. He didn't say the whole thing, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, he didn't say the whole thing. He didn't say all of it, um, but you know, he, I think he was, you know, and I would probably say he maybe more was talking about the Yahoo report, you know, as far as some of the details, maybe. But again, he said a lot. He didn't specify. But, um, you know, actually, the I thought one of the funniest parts was his opening remarks to the local media for, uh, what did he say, you know, always appreciate you guys and, and making sure you're getting your facts straight and not putting out clickbait yeah <laughs> i was like oh that's a yeah I, <laughs> slam at some of the uh, national guys <laughs> I, I, I thought he might get into that a little bit more but he didn't but uh uh but anyways back back to what you're saying i mean i i, I mean he again didn't go into details but he also didn't you know specifically refute like you said um anything um you know there's a there's Obviously, a major issue in some general sense, <laughs> um, and um, with the way Bjorkman handles things. So, th- you know, that's what they got to figure out if they want to keep going forward with it or not. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, again, like like you said earlier, <laughs> Mark, a lot of words. 
Um, yeah. But you know, yeah, that's what I texted you right away. I was like, yeah, we, yeah. he said a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And also I just want to say like, I mean, I don't mean that to come off as a dig at KP at all, but that's just, I mean, is there validity to that? I feel like that was, that's fair. I mean, there is this, it's just, this is not just like a one-off, you know, it, but it seems to me the only way you could go about saying the Cape, the way KP doing it is right. Is that if you refute one thing, you could take that as not refuting everything else. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, not all of it was true, but if you don't define which parts of it, then, exactly. you can, yeah. then you can start to get into a situation where you're either having to refute everything that isn't true or the stuff that you don't refute can be taken as true. That, that I feel like I'm talking in circles a little bit, but does that make any sense? Like, yeah, no, yeah, I yeah, exactly. I, I get that. No, that makes sense. But I do also agree. If you're going to say not all of it is true, then be like, okay, go on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. A little bit. It's just, it, it just feels very in the dark. And again, you know, it's, it's whatever, it's, it's what you got to operate with, but it's uh, it point being as Caitlin and I have said many times, we would rather just cover basketball. Let's just, let, let's <laughs> not have to deal with this. Yeah. What if there was just basketball to talk about, but alas, that's not where we're at. Um, <laughs> one thing that I, uh, that, that I did find pertinent was uh, when asked about TJ and Doug's, um, free agency he mentioned that both mm-hmm. guys are two feet in on being pacers moving forward um and that's not direct quote but he, i mean the two feet in part was direct quote but uh, yeah. two feet in on the pacers i don't he didn't say moving forward but i mean that's kind of the implication um i mean did did that ring out for you guys in, in any way yeah i mean i feel like that that's probably the case all things being equal they'd be fine being here and being in the role they had this year obviously um with the way the year played out, they had huge roles. Um, but, um, you know, I, he also, as you mentioned at the end, um, you know, they played so well and, and so much that their value is going to be um, at a level that, you know, may price them out, you know, depending upon how the salary cap falls and whatever else happens this offseason. But, um, but it, it seemed like, you know, they would do whatever they could to keep them. But that, uh, of course, it just depends on, you know, what the players want to do and and how, and how the offers come in. Yeah, and I really liked when he said that they probably played them too much. Um, and I took that as less of a, we had so many injuries, we had to play them, and more of a, we relied on TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott for a lot of what we did this year. And uh, I'm hoping that he's not satisfied with that moving forward, which again does tie into the yeah. injuries, but I, I don't take very much from him saying that both are two feet into being Pacers because yeah. it honestly might not be up to them. Like if, if, uh, if we can't pay the tax, like if that's, if the tax line is the salary cap more or less, then I'm not really sure it matters how much both of them want to be Pacers because it's going to be, unless there's another salary dump move somewhere along the roster where we shed some, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to bring both of them back. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, that's been highlighted that you, it's going to be nearly impossible to bring them back. Um, At the value that we significant think. Tinkering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I mean, and, and, you know, like doing some some national work, looking around there, I think that there is kind of a general-ish consensus uh, on, on how that might work out, but but we'll see on that. Um, 
one of the last things that that I thought was really interesting. Um, I don't. I I really wish I remember who asked the question because it was a great question. Um, but somebody asked. I actually I think it was Kevin Bowen uh, from Ten Seventy Five. The fan asked about um, you know what playing with pace and and how they felt about that. And whether or not that impacted the defense, or actually, you know, I, it might have been Scott Agnes. I can't remember. Somebody, somebody asked it. It was a really good question. But, um, and KP initially was like, you know, well, that's something I'd rather leave up to the coaching staff. But then he went in on a, on a really good extended answer. You know, talking about how, uh, in retrospect, you know, looking back and in talking to, um, you know, people in the organization, they felt that. Uh, the defense probably would have been stronger if they weren't playing with as much pace or, or at least in the way that they were. Um, and I thought that was a, that, I mean, that was something that, that really stuck out to me because he mentioned a ton today about wanting to get back to that higher defensive level. Yeah. And, and to me, I mean, I, I still feel like they're, whatever way they go, you know, even if they're going more pace or if they're, you know, they got it all through the, the, the you know key playing rotation somehow and um and again you know these are things he isn't saying but these are things i'm thinking as he's saying this stuff mm -hmm. um because you know you saw o'shea Brissett and the impact he had you know thrown into the mix but the biggest thing with him um and you know mark we, we kind of touched on this a little bit was just you know he, he brought a little edge a little toughness to the to the uh to the lineup um, and that's just something that isn't hasn't always been there with that group that they have assembled. And and you see in the playoffs in these early games, I mean, there's guys out there. I mean, Memphis is is oozing with toughness, even if they don't have all the skill. Um, but you know, at some point, you know, that type of uh, mentality and and personality on the roster is is key, especially when you you know hit tough times. So. Um, it, you know, there's like things that stuck out to me as he's saying things. Okay, you need a defensive minded coach on the bench, whether that's Brooklyn or his assistant or whoever the new coach may be. You need some defensive minded guys on the floor. Um, and then, you know, because I feel like they have plenty of offense they can go to to um, keep things cooking offensively, but, um, uh, you know, there's just got to be some adjustments. KP obviously wasn't going to get into any of that today, but just from what he's saying, you know, it's only natural that they have to do something to, to change what's there. Yeah, there was a lot of defense talk. And as somebody who likes defense and think that that's important for what this team is going to have to be, um, that I found that encouraging. But what I did not take it as is that we need to keep one of Miles or Sabonis. Like there was no indication that that meant that yeah. we would be keeping Miles. Um, it just meant around the roster we need to get better. And really even with the coaching staff, because we had almost the exact same roster as last year that was a top five defense. So I don't think that there was any um, roster leanings one way or the other with the defense comments as much as just like we just need to be better at defense and we need to have better coaching uh, in that regard as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I also thought too, uh, just cause I was seeing people, you know, go back and forth about it on Twitter. I didn't think anything from today stood, stood out in terms of, 
uh, you know, this player is more important than that player or anything like that. I, you know, I did not see that at all. I mean, like we mentioned, he did mention TJ Warren a lot. Um, I think precisely because of, I mean, this is just my speculation, but I, given all the stuff that happened, I would be mentioning TJ Warren's name a lot too. Um, you know, that's part of image building and, and whatnot. And uh, same thing with miles. I mean, miles has missed a ton of time and he, he made sure to highlight miles and how important he is to the team, but it didn't feel like anyone was highlighted more than anyone else or, or in a way that, that meant anything. Um, again, this is, it's all, I, I, this is, this is a press conference at the end of a season. We are not even close to free agency. We're not close to the, the time where teams can start trading. Um, so it's, there's a lot up in the air and we're just kind of guessing here, but um, I, I don't know if you guys took anything away from that. I feel like based on this, you know, Considering you know the way he was he was talking, I would assume you know he's going to do what he can to bring Bjorkman back and give him another fair chance because uh, he kept talking about how unfair all the situation was, um, and also you know wanted to bring back a healthy the healthy starting five and, and run it all back. Um, now you know I feel like there's also by saying all that, but, but especially with the players like Miles and. Uh, bonus, um, you know, he he has to give appearances to remain committed. These guys just for value, you sake on on the, on the market, you know, um, you don't want to be saying you're going to make big changes and, and that might diminish your value. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody was moved. But also, you know, the indication is like he still believes, kind of believes in in his vision, and it just hasn't been able to play out yet. And, um, um, and again, I, I, I guess that would go back to, um, the top up, up top with, uh, the talk up top with, uh, Herbie. And if he wants to come around and if, if they're still, um, on the same page with all of that, um, and if not, then if KP wants to keep his job, then he'll have, if, um, he doesn't want to do that or if, if, uh, they they can't come to agreement then KP may be gone, you know. But um, that's just kind of the, the feeling I got coming out of it is that he, you know I, I feel like he doesn't want to give up on his project here um, at the end of the day. But you know we'll see. Like you said, we're just we're just starting to dive into the real off season now. So a couple things with that. I, I know he mentioned. Um, like not knowing how good this group or how good or bad he said this group could be when they came together yeah. and that he's making a lot of assumptions, but like, and then he also goes on to say that, um, you know, if everybody in the league is doing the same thing and if the Pacers try to match that without having the same luxury of top end talent that a lot of the bigger markets do, that's just not a very good way to operate uh, kind of, implying that maybe the too big strategy is something that they'll keep doing, but they tried to, they tried to change it last year. Like, so I don't, I don't take very much from that, but one thing I did really like 
um, and I tweeted this out as well, is Tony East's question about uh, the value between continuity in the roster and making a big swing because KP had been talking about how um, what he looks for when it comes to playoff success is continuity roster or making those big moves. And so Tony asked him about that. And uh, KP basically said that if there's a, if there's an opportunity for that big move, then they'll be aggressive in pursuing it, but that those moves are hard to come by. So, I mean, that, that is something to say, but I I like that uh, Tony at least challenged the continuity aspect of the roster with uh, how little success we had this year, even though you can point to injuries pretty much ruining that roster continuity. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm just gonna just real quick. I was just gonna say, and honestly, you know, it, I always I've brought this up a few times during the year, but I mean, I, you just look at Utah because um, they're very comparable franchise um, in the West, and they were you know borderline shit show last year with the COVID stuff with uh, Gobert and, and Mitchell, and and but they they kept it all together and they had. A relatively healthy year, but they've had, you know, they've had their issues down the stretch. Um, actually, I can't believe Quinn Snyder's coaching job was overlooked like it was all year. But yeah, as it may, I mean, that that's kind of um, what you look at with the Pacers right now, and we'll see how they do in the playoffs. That's what's been all year. I feel like I, I've seen a Pacers team, even an Atlanta team a few years ago, where, you know, they kept all their guys together, had great regular seasons, but then they haven't been as successful in the playoffs. So, um, I, 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 you know, you could point to that for this Pacers team and say, hey, bring everybody back, everybody's healthy. Another year of, of familiarity, you know, they can go on and and, uh, and be greater than the sum of the parts. But, um, again, when you get into the playoffs, you know, that doesn't always go as far either, so. Um, I'm always looking at Utah as kind of that model for this year. Especially when uh, Utah may or may not have drafted a superstar at pick 13 a couple of years ago. So there's uh, there's something <laughs> to that as well. Exactly. Wow, it's bad how long it just took me to realize he was drafted at pick 13 a couple Donovan years Mitchell, ago. Donovan Mitchell. Sorry. I know. I, just like, I, I realized that about 10 <laughs> seconds after. I was thinking to myself, I was like, who was pick 13? I was like, oh, it was Donovan Mitchell. Um, was Joey yeah. pick 13? I don't <laughs> no stop it uh, yeah um well I, I know i know you gotta get out of here in a second tom so the last thing that i would add um well i do completely agree i uh i i am a little bit hopeful is the wrong word but i i just think uh given given how everything shook out with this press conference it felt like a lot of uh a lot of hedging um more like just to to give off the appearance that anything is possible still. Um, I don't know what to make of everything with Nate. Cause like you mentioned, Tom, I thought about that, you know, quite a bit during the press conference, it seemed like um, setting up for him to be back next year in some regards. But I also wonder too, if it's just trying to let things down easy uh, until, um, mm-hmm. until he does make a decision within the next couple of weeks on, on what he wants to do. Um Especially, I mean, my it just as he as he went on and talked a little bit more in depth about some of the problems that he does have and how it's going to be on Nate to make those those changes. I thought were a little bit more telling. Um, I don't know. Uh, again, we're going to have many more pods talking about this. I have no doubt. Do you guys have any anything else that you want to close out on before we get out of here? 
Uh, yeah, actually, Ryan McDonough, who was an exec for the Suns and the Celtics at some point in in the last couple years, the uh, uh, the goat incident actually. Just yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that somebody may not understand that, but it's a wonderful Suns piece from a couple years ago that uh, <laughs> yeah. is very much worth a read. Uh, but he I'm put out. Sure it was Kevin Arnovitz who wrote that, right? Yes, yes, it yeah, was. Yeah. Great call. Um, but anyways, yeah. uh, Ryan McDonough quote tweeted Woj's. Uh, basically summarization of Kevin Pritchard's comments on Nate Bjorker and saying that Indiana will likely gauge interest in their head coaching job from other potential candidates before deciding Bjorker's fate. And I think that that is something that is kind of assumed, but people keep asking like, is it, when is Bjorker going to get fired? But I don't know if you like, I, you probably should make that move no matter what, depending on the, the level of truth there is to all these reports coming out about Nate as a um, kissing up and pissing down, I believe was the phrase used. But if you don't have a replacement in mind and you haven't gone through, like you don't know who you want to replace him, it kind of makes sense not to make that move and to see what options would be out there before, uh, before just straight up firing him. But I I don't know. I, I guess it could go either way, but I found that very interesting as well. Yeah, no, that is that is interesting. It's something that we'll we'll definitely take note of. It's been weird. I, I don't know what to think of Ryan McDonough yet. Like he's obviously very plugged in and knows what he's talking about, and he's kind of steadily become one of the guys who will just like randomly drop little tidbits like that. Um, so, and I don't I'm, even mean that he was taking that from like an inside source. He was just taking it from a front office perspective. As oh like yeah, that could be why they're not making this move right now. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, given like you know. Things will change. Uh, it's always, you know, over the next couple of weeks, as more teams get knocked out of the playoffs, we'll see a lot more of the changes fall through. Like, I mean, even Nate got fired. Um, I mean, old Nate, Nate McMillan got fired. What was that? A week and a half after the playoffs ended? Not even. I mean, yep. uh, so we'll see how things change out over the next week or two and obviously have more to, uh, to bring. Uh, to everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Rat Tom, thanks for coming on. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.